Hello, everyone. Welcome to Quantum Catechesis. I'm Father Joe Krupp, and you are not. And today, today, today is Wednesday. Yeah, and I think it's October 19th, October 19th, the year of our Lord, 22? Yep. Okay. And I'm so excited to be here. I missed you guys on Friday. Uh, that was your fault, your sin. No, no big deal. I forgive you, ish. Um, today's show is brought to you by Celtic Cove Catholic Bookstore, the greatest and the best. Do you know about that? That when uh, the Romans, ancient Romans, when they would say Jupiter, they would say the greatest and the best. Really? So, I think that's Apollo in Greek, right? It was Apollo for the Greeks, Jupiter for the, I don't know. Everybody involved is dead, so I don't care. Anyway, we're going to continue our section on Moses, or as we say in the U.S., Moses. And we will begin with the song... Moses supposes his toes are roses, but Moses supposes erroneously. Now Moses, he knows his, his toes aren't roses, as Moses supposes his toes is to be. Do you remember this? No. Singing in the rain. Singing in the rain. <laughs> Moses supposes his toes are roses, but Moses supposes erroneously. All right. I love it. I do too. Uh, who was that? That was Donald O'Connor and Gene Kelly. And I love that movie. There's a musical I don't hate. Is that a musical? It is. Okay, there's a musical I don't hate. I think anything really before 1990, I probably like. That was just like <laughs> naked emotional manipulation disguised as entertainment. You know, the other day I saw a preview, uh, seriously, for a movie, and it was like, this is a movie about a man and his dog. And I'm like, the dog dies. Yeah. Yeah, you don't even need to. That's all, that's all you had to hear the word, the dog's going to die. That's how they manufacture human emotions these days. <laughs> Subtlety, what's that? So what we'll do today is continue our walk through the life of Moses. And when we, when we last left off, you may recall that Moses and God had a little negotiation. How you doing? And in that process, God kept calling Moses and Moses kept saying, no, I can't do that. Send someone else. And God didn't send someone else. And then Moses got his name. And we talked about the unspeakable name for God and how in the end it kind of worked. God sent Aaron to speak on behalf of Moses. Aaron is Moses' older brother by, I think, three years. Okay. So last we knew, we got Moses's, Moses's, Moses, is it Moses or Moses's, Mosai. When you invite Mr. and Mrs. Angopolis over for dinner, is it the Angopolises or the Angopoli? No one knows. No one knows. What do you think? Is it Moses's or Moses? Moses's. Moses's. Well, now I can't not. It just sounds funny, Moses's. It sounds like, okay, Billy's uh, genealogy, and that was just to show you kind of his street cred, okay, uh, that as the reader, you're saying, wow, Moses is descended from heroes and legends, and with that, we're going to begin with Moses, uh, we're going to start with Moses and Pharaoh, okay, um, okay, 
we're going to talk about this thing that happens right away. God, it tells us, hardens Pharaoh's heart. And we need to talk about this because it's very easy to misunderstand. It might sound to us like God is taking Pharaoh's free will, but no. What we, the way, uh, well, here, this is uh, God explaining his process, right, to the Israelites. Quote, I could have stretched out my hand and stricken you, Pharaoh, and your people with pestilence, and you would have disappeared from the earth. Nevertheless, I spared you for this purpose, to show you my power, and in order that my fame may resound throughout the world. Now, if a human says that, that's pride. When God says it, it's just truth. Uh, and that's our brokenness versus God's wholeness. What does it mean that God would f- harden Pharaoh's heart? It doesn't mean God did something so that Pharaoh lost his ability to choose. What you want to think of is how our free will can work against us if we're not careful. Namely, if I keep changing what is true, if I keep pretending a lie is truth, then I'm going to become unable to tell the difference between what I actually know is a truth and what is a lie. And then that process is next step is where truth is repugnant to me. And this is a shortest way possible. I can think of describing the hardness of heart. It's this idea that if I practice being wrong long enough, I'll get really good at it. And I'll even start to call it right So, uh, I had a point and it was on my head and then I put a hat on. Oh, Milton. If you read Milton's book, Paradise Lost, you know that he's describing in, in, in fictitious literature. He's not trying to provide you with biblical truth, but he gives an image of Satan leaving heaven and how that whole thing came about. And in the end, in there, in Paradise Lost, as the devil is leaving heaven, he's conscious of the fact that he's leaving perfect beauty and light, and he doesn't know what he's going to do without it. And so what does he decide? Quote, evil, be thou my good. Hideous, be thou my strength. That the devil, in a sense, bent his own heart so that he could look at ugly and say, that's beautiful. And that's the only way he could be at peace, having lived in heaven and choosing to live in hell. That's hardening one's heart. God allowed Pharaoh's natural process of bad choices to reach the fruit of the tree. Does that help? Mm -hmm. Right? God won't take your free will. God can't take your free will and still be God. You surrender your will to the Lord and let him guide you, but he's not going to be a puppet master. That's really his linchpin for us because just this morning, I prayed mass with the squeakers, and if you did not watch this morning's mass... On the on the YouTube or the Facebook, aren't we supposed to call it something else now? Isn't it like Beta or Meta or Meta? No, that's the big corporation. Yeah. They're still Facebook. It's still Facebook. Yeah. Okay, Meta is Greek for like above. You know, better oh, than. I did that. See that? Oh, I see. <laughs> I chose that for my confirmation name. <sighs> okay. Uh, <laughs> 
What were we talking about? Oh, if you watch Smash this morning, and, and don't. But if you want, go there and jump to the last, what, three minutes? And hear those angels sing. Our kids were singing so loud, it filled the church. You were there. Mm -hmm. It was astounding. Like, while we're distributing communion and after communion, I literally in my head went, I bet this is what heaven's like. Just a million beautiful young voices. Um, Man, why am I talking about this? Do you remember? Beautiful. I know, but it has a purpose. Something about God or Jesus. I don't know. Oh, yeah. The devil would hear that. And to him, it's, it's, it's fingernails on the chalkboard. You think, how? Practice. Alan Iverson. We talk about practice. <laughs> so we have free will. We can choose and God will always respect our choices. Uh, Pharaoh used his choices badly. And this is part of the problem with power, yeah? Is when you talk about Pharaoh, you're talking about a creature that was accountable to no one. He was God to the Egyptians. And they didn't believe it was like, no, he's a human we call God. Romans did that a lot. Uh, It was more, no, no, he's divine. He's divine. And so Pharaoh could do what he wanted, and he had no accountability. And power always corrupts, yeah? Unless we are inviting Jesus into our power and asking uh, and challenging ourselves to mold our power to the way he exercised it, this is what's going to happen. So if you look at, we were just talking about this yesterday. Uh, if you look at 1973, was it when Roe versus Wade happened? Yeah, is that right? 73? If you look, there were no my body, my choice arguments. The, the argument was, well, that's not human. Uh, you can look, it's there. The arguments in favor of abortion keep changing and none of them really address the issue is that a human or not, right? And if it's not a human, when does it become one? And what's our criteria for that? What is our scientific criteria for saying, not a human at 1201, human at 1202? We, we need something there. But those arguments now are all gone because they can't be answered and we just keep changing them. And we're all comfortable with that, right? We say, oh, it's a very complicated question. No doubt it's complicated when we're talking about medical reasons. What's not complicated is that that's a life. You get me? We, we can get to the point where we're totally comfortable with the most grotesque things if we just give ourselves a long enough timeline. And that's what Pharaoh did. Pharaoh was used to getting his way. And we're going to see what happens when he doesn't get his way. So with that, the battle begins. I wrote that right there, big letters. Battle begins, how you doing? The one I was proud of, you weren't here for this, but um, was Moses and God at the burning bush. And I titled that section, The Bush Doctrine. I was very proud of that. Sure, it destroyed a republic, but come on. Okay, so uh, Moses and Aaron approached Pharaoh, and they were delivering God's demand that the Israelites' slaves be allowed to leave Egypt, quote, so they could worship God freely. 
him. Now, they're trying to give Pharaoh a way out. Hey, let us go on pilgrimage. And then when they don't come back, Pharaoh can say, ah, they lied. Yeah, uh, but Pharaoh's not going to take the out. Instead, uh, Pharaoh refuses. So God sends Moses and Aaron back to show them a miraculous sign and a warning. Remember this one? Moses' rod turns into a serpent. Well, it says that Pharaoh's serpents then took their rods and turned them into snakes. And then Aaron's uh, snake rod swallowed theirs and then turned back into a staff. So... Was this demonic power? Was this illusion? Was this trickery? Was this Moses' Tosis's? We don't know. Uh, Could be all three. Could be a little bit of each. Egyptian snake charmers did know a pressure point on the neck of a cobra, I found this out, that when pinched induces a temporary paralysis that makes the body of a snake stiff and rigid. Did you know this? Ma tried to find that on me when I was a kid at church, right? You remember those days? Jesse's here today, where you'd be sitting in church, and she'd hit this nerve. And, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if she was trying to make me rigid. Like, uh, I think she was trying to get me to not, you know, mess around. Whatever the cause, what we do know is Moses' snake eats Pharaoh's snake, and it shows God's dominion over, pow- over nature, over denom- demonic power, over the house of Pharaoh. Uh, now, an important thing for you to remember is that Pharaoh, during this encounter, would have been wearing a crown that at the peak of it, or whatever you call this thing, the front of it, was a little cobra head, Right? This is a cobra head. I know you're scared, guys. It's just my hand. Um, that was a symbol of their god, Wadjet, uh, the god of cobras. So Moses knew what he was doing. Well, God knew what he was doing here. Um, by Moses making a snake that then eats Pharaoh's snake, God's making clear to Pharaoh, I'm going to win this one. Okay. So now we're going to get into the plagues because Pharaoh's not going to play ball. And one of my students many years ago sent me this, and they said it's from a blog, an atheist blog, about how all the Bible can be explained by science. Science! Okay, so I'm going to read you this quote. In 1400 BC, a group of nervous Egyptians saw the Nile turn red. What they thought was blood was actually an algae bloom, which killed the fish. Prior to that, the fish had been living off the eggs of frogs. Those uneaten eggs turned into record numbers of baby frogs who subsequently died, fled to the land and died. Their little rotting bodies attracted lice and flies. The lice carried the blue tongue virus, which killed 70% of Egypt's livestock. The flies carried glanders, a bacterial infection which in humans causes boils. Soon afterward, the Nile River Valley was hit with a three-day sandstorm, otherwise known as the Plague of Darkness. During the sandstorm, intense heat can combine with an approaching cold front to create not only hail, but also electrical storms, which would have looked to ancient Egyptians like fire from the sky. The subsequent wind would have blown the Ethiopian locust population off course and right into downtown Cairo. Hail is wet. Locusts leave droppings spread on grain, and, you have, and you've got myotoxins. 
Dinner time in ancient Egypt meant the firstborn child got the biggest portion, which in this case meant he ate the most toxins, so he died. <sighs> so this is an atheist scientist apparently explaining how the plagues happened for scientific reasons. Um, what's the Catholic response? Yawn. Yeah? Uh, once again, we're not fundamentalists. We have no dog in this fight. We're Catholic. We don't have to believe it all happened exactly in the way we 21st century Americans interpret it. I do got to point out, though, that on this one, it kind of cracks me up. You got two choices, right? One is to look at a remarkable... And in 4,000 years of recorded history, unrepeated chain of events that occurred exactly when the Jews needed them and say, no, that was random. That was good luck. Your other choice is to say a remarkable and in 4,000 years unrepeated chain of incredible events occurred exactly when the Jews needed them because of God. Those are your two choices. Right. Uh, and it just cracks me up that the funny thing is the folks who answer by God are somehow the anti-intellectuals. <laughs> OK. Uh, beyond this, what we also find out in the Bible is that the plagues didn't affect the Jews, only the Egyptians. That's a hell of a toxin. I think we can all agree. Yeah. All right. So, uh, you know, yeah, people are always going to be able to do this. Pull together an unbelievable confluence of events that they explain scientifically and say, see, there's no God. And we're like going, no, that's how God did it. Or saying, that sounds great. Has it ever happened since? Yeah. Uh, but we're not fundies. We just don't have a dog in this fight as Catholics. We're always fascinated to know how science can inform our faith and how our faith can inform our science. That's great to us. That's our meat and potatoes. Yeah. So let's look at how are people doing? Are people fat and happy? Yeah. Yeah. Let's pause and have a drink of coke. It's so sad that Heinz is no longer my sponsor. Do you know about this? I've been trying to get Heinz to send us $10 million. I'm like, we only need one sponsor, right? If you set a goal of 10 million, like when we had that capital campaign here, I was like, well, let's just ask everybody for $4 million and we only need one person to say yes. Turns out my strategy wasn't sound. Uh, what were we talking about? Oh, so Heinz, some, one, of, one of our wonderful listeners wrote Heinz and asked if they would, I think donate to our food pantry and they wrote the sweetest letter back. That actually was a lovely letter saying no. <laughs> so now that I think about it, maybe that wasn't a sweet letter. But now I'm done with Heinz, which is good because I don't like ketchup. <laughs> Give me salsa. Okay, so when we look at the plagues, there's three cycles of plagues. Now the Bible doesn't say there are three cycles. You and I studying it see three. Before the first plague in each cycle, Moses warns Pharaoh in the morning. Before the second plague in each cycle, God orders Moses, go to Pharaoh now. Before the third plague in each cycle, Pharaoh is giving no warning. Isn't that interesting? Ask me what that, why that's written like that. Why? I have no idea. 
Did you find that helpful? Very but I do find that really cool that there's three sets of three and that in each one, first one, you get a warning the morning of, second one, warning right before, third one, no warning. Like a parent, yeah, <laughs> with the neck pinch. Yeah. Did you do this to your kids in church? Can I ask that, or is that a personal question? Uh, the girls, I would slip my hand in their hair, and then I could control their neck to have to look at me. Okay. Now, did you do? Did you do this like Vulcan nerve thing? No. My mom, I think she was trying to find something. Was she? Do you know? I don't know. Yeah. And then there was those short hairs because I was a hairy little boy, which is ironic. <laughs> I still love that your mom let you and liked your long hair. Loved long hair, hated short hair. That's why the favorite son is over here. Okay. Uh, the first three plagues affected, quote, all the land of Egypt, while the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, and ninth did not affect the Israelis. Conditions on the eighth are not clear to us. The Bible doesn't tell us. For the last plague, the Torah indicates that they were only spared from the final plague by sacrificing the lamb. And we're going to talk about that in a bit. But first, let's get to those plagues, shall we? These plagues are brought to you by Celtic Cove Catholic Bookstore. You won't get the plague if you shop there. That'd be a great slogan if you had a store. Of course, unless you get the plague shopping there, then you have to change your slogan. Something like, you won't get the plague if you shop here, except for Bobby, you know. So the plagues as they appear in the book of Exodus are first the plague of blood. And if you want to look this up, it's Exodus 7.14. Um, now this is God's direct confrontation of the lowest god on the Egyptian high pantheon, namely Hapi, okay, H-A-P-I. I think I'm saying it right. It's false god anyway, so it's okay if I got it wrong. Hapi was the god of the Nile, and God told Moses, dip the top of your staff in the river Nile, and all the water will turn to blood. Now, as a result of the blood, the fish died. Turns out they don't like swimming in blood. And it filled Egypt with some nasty stank. That's the translation. Nanty dank. With an awful stench. Other water sources used by the Egyptians were also turned to blood. Pharaoh's sorcerers demonstrated that they could too turn water into blood. And so as a result of that, Pharaoh made no concessions. No concessions. No concessions for you. The second plague would be, I think, my favorite the plague of frogs. Uh, and this is an address to the next god up on the pantheon, Hecate, the, a goddess which is shown as a frog. Which, if you know, good news, you're a goddess. Bad news, you look like a frog. <laughs> I think I'd rather be a mortal that doesn't look like a frog. We've all met people who look like frogs. Like, what's that one senator that looks like a turtle? Does anyone remember? <laughs> no, really. Yeah, yeah. McConnell. Is it Mitch McConnell who looks like a, uh, a, a, a turtle? Is that mean? I don't mean it mean. That's probably mean. All right, sorry. This is, oh, so this is Exodus 7, 26. Um, the second plague of Egypt, God commanded Moses to tell Aaron to stretch the staff over the water, and hordes of frogs came out and overran Egypt, and there was a massive... <coughs> Uh, market crash of the frog legs. <laughs> yeah. Turns out the Federal Reserve just kept printing frog legs. 
Pharaoh's uh, Pharaoh's sorcerers. Am I right? Did you pull up Mitch McConnell? Yes. Seriously, doesn't he look a little like a turtle? Yes. Can you see it or no? Yes. Tell me the truth. Yes. Okay. And is that mean? I don't mean to be mean. He's a public figure. He looks like a, 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 I want to say frog, but it's a turtle. turtle. A turtle. Oh, he look, uh, he looked like a turtle. That's for our friends from England. Okay, God commanded Moses to tell Aaron, blah, blah, blah. Here's the key. Pharaoh's sorcerers were also able to duplicate this plague with their magic. But what they couldn't do was remove Moses's frogs. Yeah? So Pharaoh was forced to grant permission to the Israelites to leave on the condition that Moses get the frogs out. Did anyone find that funny? Huh? <laughs> to prove that the plague was actually divine punishment, Moses let Pharaoh choose the time that it would end. This is pretty slick. All right, you tell me when, Big Daddy. Pharaoh chose the following day. The next day, all the frogs died. Pharaoh then went, oh, yeah, hey, I forgot to tell you, you're not leaving. He changed his mind. So the Israelites were still stuck in Egypt. The next plague is a plague of lice or gnats. I'm just kidding. The G is silent. Uh, so the Hebrew word could be translated as nice, lice, gnats, or fleas. Uh, so which one is it? I don't know. No idea. I wasn't there. God instructed Moses to tell Aaron to take the staff and strike the dust. And that dust turned into a mass of lice that the Egyptians could not get rid of. Much like public school when I was a kid. Remember those days? How many people here are old enough to remember those? Where they'd have to go through, like once a week at school, they're going through your hair like chimpanzees. Now, no one was eating whatever they pulled out. But those kids went home and came home the next day with shaved heads. They did. Seriously. Yeah. You don't remember this? I don't remember it. Or were you a city school? <laughs> city? No. No. I came from a small Was it? That wasn't just a Mont Rose thing, was yeah, it? It was everywhere. Yeah. Um, I never had it. Mom shampooed the heck out of our hair. Like, it felt like some kind of ancient torture technique. I, I would have to lay on the kitchen. We have one bathroom, remember? One bathroom, one toilet, one shower. And so when it was hair washing time, you'd lay on the counter, the kitchen counter, and stick my head over the sink, and that chick would just go to war. <laughs> it's like, you see these ones now where they're like, we'll give you a gentle head massage, and I have, like, PTSD. <laughs> like, no! I think that's why I'm bald. That woman was frustrated. I mean, you know, she had done a lot of head scrubbing at that point. She's like, let's get the fat one up here. All right. So uh, anyway, uh, the Egyptians couldn't get rid of the lice, gnats, bees, hummingbirds. The Egyptian sorcerers told Pharaoh, quote, this act is the, or told Pharaoh that this act, quote, is the finger of God. They could not reproduce it with their magic. Oh, and did I tell you uh, which God this one is? Okay, because I don't know. I couldn't find this one. Sorry. The next one is the plague of flies or wild animals. Um, and this is an Egyptian god whose name I won't even try to pronounce. U-A-T-C-H-I-T, which is... <coughs> Let me do it again. <coughs> that god appears as a fly. 
quote Exodus 8. This is what the Lord says. Let my people go so that they may worship me. If you do not let my people go, I will send swarms of flies upon the officials, on you, on your people and the houses. The houses of the Egyptians will be filled with flies and even the ground where they are. Um, The Torah emphasizes that the arov, or the, the swarm, only came against the Egyptians, and it did not affect the Jews, but it sure affected the Egyptians' livestock and animals. Pharaoh asked Moses, please remove this plague, and I promise I'll let you go. And after the plague was gone, Pharaoh changed his mind. Um, So in the end, this plague of flies wasn't just about the inconvenience of it all. Yeah, this was killing their animals, their livestock, and they're dependent on those things. A little bit of trivia. You ready for this? You know the title uh, for one of uh, Lucifer's demons, Beelzebub. Do you know what that means in Hebrew? Lord of the flies. And the reason they did that was it was not, uh, it's hard to explain, but a name kind of to make fun of the limitation of evil. All you can do is irritate me. The Lord of the flies. Right? It's not something you want to be Lord of. Mm-hmm. I would like to be Lord of the lions. <laughs> the king of the king of the jungle. Okay. Next is my favorite word, the plague of pestilence. Isn't that a great word? Mm-hmm. All right. And this is to Apis. Uh, it's a bull god or Hathau, uh, Hathor, sorry, a cow goddess. Um, this is an epidemic disease that exterminated the Egyptian livestock. Horses, donkeys, camels, cattle, sheep, goats, and duck-billed platypuses. Or would that be platypi? They don't have platypuses, do they? They're only in, like, Australia, I think. Where are platypuses at? Do you know about platypus? They have a duck-bill. They have a furry body like a beaver. Yeah, and they have a pouch. And do you know they have a stinger that can kill you? No. I did not know this. I did not know this. Yeah. They have a stinger that is so poisonous, it can kill a grown man. Yeah. Full-size dude. Eastern Australia, including Tasmania. No kidding. Eastern Australia and in Tasmania? Mm -hmm. Don't they also have, like, those Komodo dragons that, like, eat humans? Yeah. Yeah. We're delicious. Do you think like when Komodo dragons eat other meat, they're like, tastes like humans? <laughs> like if they eat chicken, are they like, tastes like humans? The f- so uh, once again, all the livestock's getting wiped out. The Israelites are fine. Pharaoh will not make any concessions. So next, how are people doing? Good. Are they sick of your screwing around they when I'm they trying lay to pray? Eggs too. You missed that one. Did I not say they lay eggs? And they're mammals, right? Yeah. No, wait. No, mammals do mammals. live birth. Yeah, mammals give live birth. Yeah, so they're not mammals? I don't know. No, they are mammals. They are mammals? Yeah. I thought mammals had live birth. Uh-uh, they're the only ones that lay eggs instead of giving birth oh. to live young. There you go. Then they're not mammals. <laughs> I don't think that's okay. I mean, can you do that? Can you say all mammals give live birth except, except that one? Well, then don't make it a mammal. It's up to us. Make it its own category, an egg mammalia. I'll change it on Wikipedia. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) CWN. It's mammals, all of that except two. Oh, who's the other one? 
No. 400 bucks. Beaver? No. no. Beavers don't lay eggs. They don't lay eggs. Hold on. Wouldn't it be cool if it was something like an ostrich? And it's not, but it'd be awesome if it was, where they just grabbed a random animal and went, ah, make them a mammal. Monotremes. Yeah, what is it? Yeah, platypus. What is it? Monotremes. <clears throat> Monotremes? Trains. M-O-N-O-T-R-E-M-E-S. These are rail systems run primarily in Japan. I thought they were inanimate. I didn't know they gave birth. They don't. They uh, lay eggs. They <laughs> This is one of the five species of what Kiri just said. That are mammals that lay eggs instead of giving birth to live young. That's tripping me out. Then they're not mammals. <laughs> rules are rules. And it's one of the few species of venomous mammals. Oh. Yeah, platypuses. Yeah. Yeah. They got a thing on their spur on their tongue. Yeah, it's a big nasty hook stinger thing. Yeah. He's got very sharp teeth. All right, plague of boils. Yeah, this is when all the water got really hot. No. Was that funny? Dang. Shekmet, the goddess to combat diseases next on their hierarchy, so God sent a plague of boils. This is the sixth plague. God commanded Moses and Aaron to take two handfuls of soot from a furnace. I assume it's a suit they hadn't burned yet. Okay, I'm trying too hard. But it is funny. Okay, uh, so we had him take two handfuls of suit, and then uh, what's-his-name's presence, Pharaoh's presence, throw them into the sky. The suit induced festering boils and eruptions of them. I know, Carrie's grossed out. On Egyptian men and livestock, uh, which soon became dead stock. Thank you. Dead stock. That would be something like Enron. The Egyptian sorcerer. <laughs> the Egyptian sorcerers were afflicted along with everyone else, proving again this is magic they can't have, they don't have power over. They couldn't heal themselves, much less the rest of Egypt. The next plague is the plague of hail. Um, this one comes directly from Ann Arbor, Michigan. And this is an answer to their god of the sky named, ready? Nut. <laughs> N-U-T. This is a god who was a little crazy. <laughs> Moses offered to help. He did. He urged the Egyptians, hide your cattle. The ones that ain't dead. Uh... But it was a destructive storm. God had Moses stretched out his staff skyward, at which point the storm commenced. It was even more evidently supernatural than the previous plagues. It was hail and fire from the sky. The storm heavily damaged Egyptians' orchards and crops and people and livestock. I do like that the Bible put it in that order. The orchard, the crops, the people. <laughs> and some cows. I do like that Moses didn't tell the Egyptians to hide. He was like, hide your cattle. <laughs> Pharaoh asked Moses to remove this plague, and he promised, this time I will let you guys go worship in the desert. He said, quote, this time I have sinned. God is righteous. I and my people are wicked. The hail stopped the moment God asked Moses, Moses asked God to stop it. When the storm ceased... 
Pharaoh changed his mind. It's really a good system. You know what I mean? Uh, this is working great. This is going super. Uh, so now we're to the eighth plague, the plague of locusts. And Senehem, I think is the name of their god, the god that they prayed to for help against pests. All right. Uh, Saint Orkin, pray for us. <laughs> Um, this is what the Lord, the God of the Hebrews says. This is from Exodus 10:1. How long will you refuse to humble yourself? Let my people go so they can worship me. If you refuse to let them go, I will bring locusts to the country tomorrow. They will cover the ground so that it can't be seen. And it goes on and on and on and on. Okay. Uh, the eighth plague of locusts. Um, God informed Moses at this point that he's going to harden Pharaoh's heart, right? And even wrote a song, I'm going to harden my heart, harden his heart. I'm going to swallow his tears. It doesn't work as well when it's switched to the second person. <laughs> Who sang that? That song is old, like I was a kid. Yeah. Uh, as with the previous plagues, Moses came to Pharaoh and warned him, he warned him. Pharaoh's officials begged him, let the Israelites go. Uh, he was not willing to do. He did propose a compromise. I'll let the men go. Right. Uh, why would he let the men go? Because the men would come back if their wife and kids were there, depending on their wife and kids. <laughs> Moses repeated God's demand that every last person and animal should go. Pharaoh refused. Moses stretched out his staff over Egypt. A wind picked up. The wind continued until the next day when it brought with it a massive locust storm. Uh, the, the locust swarm. The locusts covered the sky and cast a shadow over Egypt. They ate the remaining crops. There was no tree or crop left standing. Among the Egyptians, the Jews were fine. Pharaoh asked Moses to please remove this plague. I promise this time I'll let them go. Uh, Moses prayed. A wind kicked up, blew the locusts to the Red Sea, and Pharaoh made him stay. <laughs> this is this is this is how government works. <laughs> The Lord said next he's going to send darkness. Uh, no warning, no nothing. And this is uh, an answer to Ra, their god of the sun, um, or Aten, the god of light. Uh, Moses stretched out his hand and brought darkness. The darkness was so heavy that it says the Egyptians could physically feel it. They couldn't work or do activities. They couldn't track time. Uh, all their solar power died. It lasted for three days during which there was no home, no light in the homes of the Israelites or the Egyptian. Pharaoh then called Moses and offered to let them leave if he would lift the darkness. Moses uh, oh, but he said, all I ask is that you let your animals stay. Let us keep your animals. Because in case you haven't noticed, we lost ours. Yeah? Moses said, sure. And then he said, just kidding. No. Okay, he didn't say sure, just kidding. Moses said, no, no compromise, man. Pharaoh was enraged and told Moses he would execute him if he ever appeared before his throne again. Moses then replied, Okay, you will not see me again. 
until you burn in hell. Okay, he didn't say that part, but if it was a movie, he would. Now, um, the key here, uh, I think it's a good time to quit going to this because I still get this question a lot. And I don't mean don't ask it again. Right. Just, all this talk about three days of darkness. Right. Uh, that there is a thing that circulates sometimes among Catholics that there's this coming three days of darkness like this. And I want to be really clear. I personally do not believe that's real. And the church has made it clear she does not believe that's real. Why? Well, if you look at the history of it, this prophecy of three days of darkness actually came not from a Catholic saint, but from a French nationalist. I didn't even know they had those. How excited can you get about surrendering? I mean, come on. But was that inappropriate? No. Okay. It's not like they'll fight me about it. Uh, but this story of uh, coming three days of darkness has no connection to Roman Catholicism. It's rooted in French nationalism and a nationalistic movement some times ago. Um, so for whatever that's worth, no. I don't believe that that's going to happen again, or if it does, it's unconnected. That was just luck on this guy's part. But the church has pretty consistently rejected that this guy was revealing something said shared with him by God. He was instead trying to play into this nationalistic movement in France some time ago. Okay, so that's the three days of darkness thing. And if you disagree with me, um, I was going to make a joke about not being able to find me because it's dark, but I couldn't figure out how to. Uh, yeah, yeah. Because that's always the risk, isn't it? Like the people are like, the world's going to end on this day. What if you're right? You know what I mean? I mean, what do you get to say? See, I told you. Is that your last words before? <laughs> and then when it doesn't happen, right, then what? It's like, yeah, God's uh, Apple watch is broke. It's not warranted. The next plague we're going to look at is the plague, and it's awful, of the death of the firstborn. And this is their big god, Osiris, the god of life, who Pharaoh is. Yeah? Pharaoh, yeah. So anyway, this is what the Lord says. About midnight, I will go through Egypt. Every firstborn in Egypt will die from the firstborn son of the Pharaoh who sits on the throne to the firstborn of the slave girl who is at her hand mill to the firstborn of the cattle as well, the six that are left. There will be loud wailing throughout Egypt. So the whales are fine. Let's just get that out there. Yeah. You know, the guys will still be able to be wailing, but they'll just do it loudly. Like, whale! It's been a long morning. Before the, we had a long meeting today. We did. And I was a part of the problem. You promised it would be short. I'm just I did, but the DSA thing, you guys were right. I had like this awesome idea, and it wasn't so awesome. Like you have those ideas that are great in your head, and then as soon as you share them with the group, you're like, as it's coming out of your mouth, you're like, this is really stupid. So before this final plague, and this is super important to us Catholics. In fact, I don't know, because I'm doing tomorrow's show too, right? And I'd almost like to do the whole show on this, but. I like it. Yeah, can we end early today? Yeah. Yeah, how do you guys, well, I don't care how you feel about it. <laughs> they could yell, but you wouldn't hear them. You could yell, but I wouldn't hear you because of the three days of darkness. <laughs> 
Um, okay, here's what I'm considering. Skipping some of this, uh, just because tomorrow we can do the whole thing on this, which is called the Passover, right? Uh, and we literally call it because of what it sounds like, the angel passing over, the angel of death passing over the houses marked in a specific way. Um, hmm. How's this? Any questions? Can we do that? Yeah. Because I'm tempted to save Passover for tomorrow. Yeah. I really am. Um, it's a big topic, especially for us Catholics. Well, no, especially for the Jews. But we are their spiritual children. And so for us, like St. John Paul II said it, we are all, all Catholics are spiritual Semites. Isn't that powerful? Yeah. Right? And so I do want to yeah. be able to take my time without all your screwing around, Carrie, when I'm trying to be serious. Did I tell you someone told me uh, I should stop making jokes about you drinking? And I said I did. I was like, you know what? I hear you, but those aren't jokes. <laughs> okay. Wouldn't that be awesome? Oh, So let's see. Do you guys have any questions for me about today's topic? Uh, and I'm going to address those and then save path. We're going to pass over, pass over. You did cause a little controversy over oh, really? the heart in my heart because people are saying tears for fears, quarter flash, okay. Pat Benatar, scandal. Pat Benatar. I'd bet mo- No? She sang it, but she's right. not, she was not the right. first. Right, but, but I think she's the one that made it famous. I'm on a hard mind. Well, it's like nothing compares to you. Everyone thinks Sinead O'Connor wrote it. Prince wrote it. Right. And did it better than her with her little shaved head. We have the same barber. And, and guess who wrote Hard in My Heart? Hit me. Joan Jack. Marv Ross. <laughs> Marv Ross, who also had a show where he painted pictures. <laughs> what? So a guy named Marv Ross wrote it. Yeah. Pat Benatar sang it. And then other people did too. Mm-hmm. That's so weird. I've never heard anyone else sing it. Anyway, um, okay. Do you have the Great Adventure Bible? Oh, that's not for today. Okay, uh, so maybe them. If you guys don't have questions, maybe we'll just end it. Yeah, I don't see one on this. Okay. I did have a question. See, that's Spanish. Looking for a Bible study. Okay. That they can follow, like a program that's out there. Ooh. That is Catholic. Uh-huh. They started one, and they find out that it was Christian. Right. And the guy said, "Well, Catholics aren't Christian." <laughs> Who told? Which one of you guys told? I always love that Catholics aren't Christian, so and I always think at the last them. meeting we told you guys not to tell anybody. Right. <laughs> and here you are, somebody's talking. It's like when they found out we worship Mary. Dang it! We keep that quiet. Um. Uh huh. Okay. Your Saint Ignatius one for yeah, oh yeah, if you're talking about Bible Bible, just get the uh Hold on. What I have Oh, I do have my Pope hat. So I can make this um what do you call it? From the throne, from the chair, ex cathedra. Yeah, well, I've got, I must not have brought them over. Okay, so this is the New Testament one that I like. Hi, I'm future Pope John Wayne, and I endorse this Bible. 
That's going to be my name if I'm the first American Pope, Pope John Wayne. Now, if I'm not the first American Pope, then I'm going to go with Pope Sacola and try to get a contract. So anyway, if you're looking for a really good Catholic Bible, I like this one. This is the Ignatius Catholic Study Bible New Testament 2nd Edition, which was also the name of a boy band in the 80s. No? 90s? So anyway, I recommend this, and it's just filled with commentary. I mean, look at this. Truly, guys, this is commentary, and this is commentary. That's the scripture. And it's all really good. I do have my Pope hat on. I should stop. And in terms of, now it's only New Testament. The Old Testament, and this is what I was looking for, they're selling it book by book. And I think it's awesome. But even if they did that one. Yeah, if you just do the New Testament. Brought to you, but I should, anytime I endorse a Bible, I should put my Pope hat on. (laughs) Yeah. You know what? These guys should be my sponsor. Brought to you by the Ignatia and available at the Celtic Cove Catholic Bookstore. There you go. You got them all. I'm finally getting that right. Catholic Cove. Oh, see, now I ruin it. Store. So, uh, okay, so that's what I got for today. Uh, Thank you so much for tuning in. Sorry it's a shorter show, shorter show. It's only five minutes. Five minutes. I always go over. Right? I know. So what we'll do is tomorrow we'll get after the thing that we were talking about, Passover. And then on Friday it's question and answer. And then on next week, three days of darkness will cancel our show. I wonder if I could still do the show. I mean, it's not like you want to see this. It's mostly audio. Of course, I need me computadora. So uh, I guess that's it. Salad pray, and then I'll see you beautiful people tomorrow. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Jesus, thank you for the mighty works you do to set us free. There's slavery to people. There's slavery to our impulses and desires. There's slavery to our feelings. There's slavery to our past. And all of these types of slavery, you want us free. And the ridiculous lengths you will go to to save us is beautiful. And we are grateful. What we ask is that today you fill our hearts with gratitude for your hunger to save us and and with patience for what often is a process and not a moment. Heavenly Father, for all of those who are mourning right now, we ask that you heal their broken hearts. And we ask that you bless our seventh graders in a special way who are away at camp this week, that you fill them with joy and the wonder of discovery of your creation. Lord, you know there's people we love very much and we worry about them. And you know that there's circumstances that we we fret about. We give all of them to you, Lord, because we love you and we trust you. And may Almighty God bless you all. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. My Kung Fu was strong. I'll see you guys tomorrow. And until then, peace.
<laughs> Is it over? No, it's never over.